Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Super excited about today because, well, first of all, I'm, I'm a Clemson fan, so I, I feel good about today. Won't talk about any other teams, but just because there's some people in the room and it's real, 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 real sensitive subject. Real sensitive. Anyway, super excited. Hope everybody's, anybody got any Christmas shopping done yet? Anybody got Christmas shopping? Anybody not started? That's me. I've got this thing where I don't want to get started. Okay. I usually don't I, I usually don't shop a lot and usually I just give cash because it's always the right color um, and it's already the right size and you and people go, well it's so impersonal. Well you know what? If you feel that way, I just won't get you a Christmas present and that solves everything. Um, we're at the beginning of a series called Merry Christmas. It'll go right through Christmas. We want to welcome our friends in Sweetwater. So glad that you guys are with us uh, this week. Going to go right up to Christmas and super excited that six weeks from today, we're, we're stepping into our new facility. So that's super exciting, which is ironic because a year ago today was the first broadcast of Second Chance Church. So God's doing so much, super excited. And once again, we're just going to dive right into the message today. Um, Several years ago, I was doing a, a video shoot. We were doing this creative thing, and I had to be in a bunch of different cities, and we were trying to knock this one video sh shoot out in a week. So one of the legs of the trip, we had to fly from New York to Los Angeles. Now, living in the upstate of South Carolina, if you're going to fly, your, your options are limited. You're either going to go Delta or, or Delta. Like That's the options that we have. But once you get in New York City you've got a few more options. Well, I'd always heard about Virgin Airlines and how amazing they were. And um, I noticed in New York City that you could fly from New York City to LA on Virgin. And I was like, you know what? That's the airline we need to fly. Let's, let's do that. So I went ahead and booked the first class ticket because if you're gonna fly, just, just do it right. And I got on the plane and the, it was, what I saw was absolutely amazing. The plane was so clean to start off with. It looked like a club. The, I'm saying that because I, not that I've been, I mean, I've got friends that have gone and taken pictures and I follow them on Instagram and, but it looked like a club. It, I sat down, the flight attendant comes up and says, can I get you a snack? I said, yes. He said, which one? I was like popcorn. He brought, he brought me a whole bag full of popcorn. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's going to be an incredible flight. I'm going to love this journey until she got on the plane. Now, I want to kind of pause and say she wasn't the problem. It was the screaming baby in her arms. Now, listen, I understand, I understand as being a dad, babies sometimes freak out in the most, like, it's just like you wish they wouldn't freak out, but they're freaking out. So I understand babies freak out. That's not an issue. Let me pause. Ed, we good? Are we good? We got program issues. We're good on uh, church online. We'll be good on Facebook in a second. Okay, okay. So if you're with, if you're on church online, good. What do do I need to start over? Do we need to start over? No, you should be all right. All right, cool. So anyway, so the baby, so so the baby was screaming when it got on the plane, and I thought, you know what? There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. This baby can scream, you know, for another five or ten minutes. I was wrong. This baby. I'm not making this up screamed from New York to Los Angeles. And at some point, like maybe over Kansas, you're thinking this kid's going to give us a break. But no, no, no. This baby absolutely 
freaked out, melted down. And when I remember landing in LA and being like this, and somebody asked me, how was your flight? And, and my, my response was, it wasn't quite the journey that I expected. Now, all of us have probably had a trip like that where it was traffic or just something crazy on a plane. But then some of us, that's where we are in life right now. If, if we were to look at our life right now, five to 10 years ago, if you would have told us we would be where we are right now, we might have said, you know what? That's not the journey that I would have chosen, or that's not the journey I would have expected. All of us, every single person, has had to deal with something unexpected in life that you didn't quite see it coming. And, and because of that, one of the things I know is, especially if you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus or whatever tag or label you want to put on that, when we go through really tough and turbulent times, it really does cause us to have doubt when it comes to God. Does, does God even care about me? Does God know that I'm here? Maybe we thought we heard God say this, but it's turning out to be like this. Like, we don't know. And if you've ever dealt with doubt, what we're going to do today is jump into the Christmas story because the Christmas story, I believe, is loaded with people who had to deal with doubt in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The primary one being the mother of Jesus, Mary. So, so we're going to look at the Christmas story today in Luke chapter 1. There's a couple of accounts of the Christmas story Luke and Matthew give us. So we'll talk about Matthew next week. Um, we're going to primarily focus on Luke today. And the main point, I'm going to give you the main point before we even start the message. So just in case you fall asleep or something happens more interesting on your phone or whatever, I want to give you the main point today before we dive in, because I think the main point is just something that God's been speaking into me, and I'm hoping that God's going to use it to speak into you. And here it is. Don't doubt in the darkness what God declared in the light. Now, I can't take credit for that statement. I don't know who said that statement first. I kind of Googled it, and, and like 17 people have been attributed to saying that statement. So I'm not going to take credit for it. I don't know who said it, but it's something that I've held on to that don't doubt in the darkness what God declared in the light. Now, let's walk through this story and kind of break down what was said to Mary, what happened to Mary, and then how she ultimately saw God's promise fulfilled even though she had to go through some really tough times to see it happen. Here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, in the sixth month of Elizabeth, Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I want to point out a couple things here before we move on. First thing is Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, is a doctor. And Luke wants us to know that Mary is a virgin. And he says it twice, just within this context right here, just within two, two, two verses, he wants us to know that she's a virgin. Second of all, he says she's, the angel goes to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Nazareth, Hicktown is the best way I can use to describe it. Like, I've been to Nazareth in Israel now, and it's still like nothing. So the fact that Mary was in Nazareth, I mean, you're talking like a far-out place, 
far out town. In Galilee, which was in Israel, Israel was a part of the Roman Empire. Israel was pretty much considered to be the armpit of the Roman Empire. Like, nobody wanted to go to Israel. So you got a girl in the Roman Empire in an occupied territory in a place that nobody cares about in an even deeper place, Nazareth, that nobody cares about. If there's anybody that's ever felt forgotten or abandoned by God, I promise you it's Mary. Yet the Christmas story opens up with God going to somebody that thinks that maybe God's forgotten all about her. Which brings us to this, and I'll say this and I'll move on. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but I know exactly where God is in his walk with you. He's closer than you could ever imagine even when you feel forgotten and abandoned by him. Let's keep going. Um, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. To which I'm like, well, if the Lord's with me, why am I in Nazareth? And why is the Roman army here? And why are we occupied? I mean, I've got lots of questions about this. But it keeps going. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, which I would have been at well as well. And wonder what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Stop. Pause. Question. If I have found favor with God, why am I in Nazareth? And why am I in Israel? And why are we occupied by the Romans? And why is all this bad stuff happening in my life? How can, how can I find favor with God? In other words, how can things be so good when things feel so bad? We've all wrestled with that tension. And Mary's wrestling with it, I believe, in this text. Um, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, pause. We read this like it's a normal, average, it's the Christmas story. We celebrate it every year, right? Charlie Brown tells the story of Jesus' birth at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas. That's why we love it so much, right? But I saw something this week where it's not politically correct, so I don't know. Now they're picking on Charlie Brown. Good God, what's next? But with, think about how awkward this is. You're about 14, 15-year-old girl. You're a virgin, and an angel comes to you and goes, Oh, by the way, you're going to give birth to a baby. It keeps getting a little bit weirder. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, what the angel just told Mary is, Mary, you're not only going to give birth to a baby, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, once again, we read that and think, oh, that's perfectly normal. But put yourself in Mary's shoes for just a second. I'm going to do what? She had just one question. Just, hey, just got a question. And I think it's a legitimate question. Luke's already pointed it out twice, but let's bring it up a third time. Here we go. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Third time that the virgin word is used. Now, I, I don't know how this went down. I'm sure Mary was like, hey, Gabriel, really excited about you being here, love the, the wings and the toga, the little glow thing going on. Man, that is awesome. Um, I don't know how y'all do it in heaven. I don't know how things work out. But here on earth, you got 
boys and boys have boy parts and girls have girl parts and then the boy parts and the girl parts make baby parts and so I don't know if that's the way that's the way it happens here and I, I, I'm not quite sure how this is supposed to happen which that's a, I think that would be a legitimate biological question let's just remove theology from it for a second so but God always has an answer God always has an answer the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. So in other words, the Holy Spirit says, hey, listen, you're going to get the promise of God, but anytime you get the promise of God, it's always going to take the power of God to make that promise come to fulfillment. Even when the promise biologically seems impossible, God always follows through on his promises. So, so the angel says, yeah, yeah, we got that taken care of. The Holy Spirit, don't miss this, don't miss this, this is huge. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work inside of you. Nobody else is going to be able to see it. Most people probably won't even believe it. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the Holy Spirit is going to do a work inside of you that is unexplainable, but will also one day be undeniable. That's what the angel tells her. And even says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. See, she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, Mary is so caught up in this moment. Mary gets just caught up in the moment. We've all been caught up in the moment before. And Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be to me be fulfilled, then the angel left her. That's a problem. Because me personally, I would have said, yes, I'm going to agree, but Gabriel, I need you to hang out, and I need you to go with me to tell some other people. Because nobody's going to buy this story, right? But Mary's like, yes, this is awesome. And Gabriel goes, peace out. He's gone. And then Mary, I believe, has to deal with three things that every single person listening to this message today has had to deal with if you've ever, ever just... Anyway, here we go. Three things we all deal with. Number one, doubt. Doubt. Now, I'm just going to put this out there. I am a highly skeptical person. If you know me, you know this. So, if something supernatural ever happens to you, like, for example, I'll pick on Logan for a second because she believes in aliens and everybody knows about Logan and aliens. If, if, you've ever, if you ever see, see an alien, please don't come tell me because I'll say, no, you haven't. I saw an alien. No, you haven't. By the way, if you're watching online, don't leave me an alien comment because I'll go in and delete it. I'll, I'll ban you because you have not seen an alien. You have not seen an alien. If you ever see Bigfoot, don't tell me, because I don't believe you. I, I've got friends. I've got a friend that says his grandfather saw Bigfoot, and I'm like, I love you. Your grandfather was running moonshine, all right? He didn't see Bigfoot. It didn't happen. I'm skeptical. If you tell me I just had the best steak I've ever had, I don't believe you. I'll have to go test that out personally, but, but I, I'm a skeptical person. Most of us are skeptical in some way, shape, form, or fashion, are we not? Now, Think about this. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second. Mary comes up to Joseph and says, Joseph, got, I got some good news, and I got some 
weird news. Here's the good news, Joseph. I'm going to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, if you're Joseph, you're like, well, that's good news, but like we hadn't done anything. So who's the daddy? And Mary goes, oh my gosh, that's just, it's just it, Joseph. An angel came into my room and told me that the Holy Spirit, that like God was actually going to be the father and I was going to be pregnant as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, what do you think? Did he buy the story on the spot? No. No. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, we'll look at it next week, Joseph was planning on like ending the marriage, like divorcing her, like sending her away. He was going to do it quietly because the whole thing just freaked him out. Think about it. If your teenage daughter comes in and goes, Mom, I'm pregnant, but it's not a big deal. I haven't slept with a guy. It was the Holy Spirit. None of you are going to go, oh, well, God, that totally makes sense. Oh my gosh, well, let's go to Babies R Us and get you registered right now. When it says Father, we'll just put down God and see maybe if we get a 20% discount, right? You think, think about Mary for a second. She has this experience that's very real. It's very authentic. But then Joseph, the person that was supposed to be closest to her, doubts that God actually is working in her. And if you've ever ever, ever gone through this, you know how tough it is. When those closest to you doubt that God's working in you. You know God's doing something. You know God has said, go this direction or pursue this. But then people closest to you don't believe. And listen, let's not be too tough on them because the whole angel showed up and told me I was pregnant story. It's a pretty big story. Not only did the people close to Mary doubt her, but those around her doubted her. Do you believe, do you think for just one second that Nazareth, small town, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Everybody talks in small town, right? Do you think that people in Nazareth bought the whole angel showed up to Mary story? No. Mary had a reputation in Nazareth. Mary had a reputation not only did people closest to her doubt what God was doing in her, but everybody around her doubted what God was doing in her. And this is what I've discovered personally. If we had allowed the doubt of those closest to us and the doubt of those around us, if we allow their thoughts to become our thoughts, then we dive into this thing called self-doubt. And don't miss this. Self-doubt will sabotage the work that God wants to do in your life. Let me say it again. Self-doubt will sabotage the work that God wants to do in your life. And self-doubt usually comes as a result of other people doubting what we know God spoke into us. So don't you dare doubt in the darkness what you know God declared to you in the light. Number two, not only did she have to deal with doubt, she had to deal with discouragement. Now, all of us have faced discouragement, right? Highly discouraging situations. Like, like hypothetically, if you're Georgia and you try to fake punt, that's a discouraging situation. I'm just, just high, I just threw that. I know that burned. We probably just had some people log off Facebook. Anyway, um, all of us have faced discouragement. 
Okay, D- don't worry about it, Georgia fan. If you're a South Carolina fan, you've, you haven't won a championship since 1969. So I wasn't even born yet. So, so, so we all know a little bit. I'm taking all kinds of shots today. I feel good. We all know a little bit about discouragement. All of us have, have had to face it. Now, I just want to throw out this question. Do you think Mary had to deal with discouragement? The answer would be yes. Because, well, I've never been pregnant, obviously. But I've talked to, to women who have had babies. And women who have had babies have all pretty much agreed that the last week of pregnancy is one of the most uncomfortable weeks of, of your, your entire life. Am I, am I correct so far, ladies? I've got some ladies nodding their heads. Um, the ladies have had babies um, that, that are nodding their heads, yes. You can't get comfortable, right? Doesn't matter if you lay on your right side, your left side, you lay on your back. Doesn't matter where you put your feet. Doesn't matter. You just can't get comfortable. Now, let's pretend for just a second, for those of you that have had a baby, that, that your husband comes to you and says, hey, I know you're due in a week. We're going to take a one-week-long donkey ride back to my hometown. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is, this is going to be a tough week for you, Right? And let's not, let's not, I mean, but that's what happened to Joseph. He, he had to take Mary on a donkey back to Bethlehem on the last week of her pregnancy. So in more than one way, Mary rode Joseph's ass all the way to Bethlehem. You know what I'm saying? That's the only part of the message some people are going to remember today. This was so unfortunate. Um, can you imagine being pregnant and having to ride a donkey Every day for a week to get to Bethlehem? Was Mary discouraged, ladies? Yes or no? Yes. Because if I'm Mary, I'm like, okay, God, okay, listen. You sent Gabriel. You could have sent a chariot. You could have sent a cart. You could have sent Gabriel back down here to fly me to Bethlehem. Like, you could have done it, but no, 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 no. You got to ride the donkey. And then when you get to Bethlehem, no room. No room. Joseph didn't do the Airbnb thing, so no, no, nobody had their home open. The inn is full. And so they had to go. Most scholars believe it was a sheep cave. Our nativity scenes do not reflect where Jesus was born. Now, I have actually been in a sheep cave on the outskirts of Bethlehem, and it's nasty. Because you know what sheep do in sheep caves? They poop, they pee, they, they do, they, that, and that's what it smells like. So with the infant mortality rate being incredibly high 2,000 years ago, do you think Mary was even concerned that Jesus was going to survive the birth in unsanitary conditions? And then, and then, and then, don't miss this, and this is another part. In Matthew chapter 2, Herod, the ruler of the area, finds out that supposedly the Messiah was born. So he issues a decree that all babies two years old and younger be killed. And so Jesus, Mary has to take Jesus and Joseph and flee to Egypt. By the way, Jewish people were not looked upon very highly in Egypt. Do you think Mary was discouraged through this entire situation? Yes or no? Yes, because if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, okay, God, if you've made me this promise and I've given birth to Messiah, then why the donkey rod? And why no room in Bethlehem? And why do we have to go to Egypt and live as refugees for two years? Mary had to face discouraging situations. And all of us know what it's like to be in discouraging situations, which is why, which is why 
I believe that when we go through discouraging situations, it's a learning experience for us to help other people when they're going through discouraging situations. One of the verses that I've came to really focus on recently is Romans chapter 12, verse 15, which says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And you've heard me talk about this before. But we've gotten this verse backwards. Most, <laughs> most Christians I know have said, when people are happy, make them weep. And we, when people are weeping, make them happy. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let's, let's say for a second, I'm, I'm talking about if you know somebody going through a discouraging situation, like they are going through hell on earth. Let, let's put it this way. Let's say you go to the mall with your friend today and you're, you're doing some shopping, doing some Christmas shopping. Two-story mall, three-story mall. And your friend, you know, you're, you, you got your, your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, you're tracking your steps, so you're not going to take the escalator, you're going to take the stairs. You're going to walk down the stairs. So you and your friend start walking down the stairs. But your friend, not you, but your friend, trips and falls. No, 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 and, and like falls all the way down the steps. And so... Um, if you've got your phone, you get it on video because this is going to go viral. So, so you try to get it on video or whatever, and you're laughing hysterically until you get to the bottom of the steps and you see that your friend has broken their leg. Compound fracture. Bone is sticking through the skin. Just like this picture right here. I'm just kidding. We don't have a picture because um, people are going to throw up. So, so let's say that they're laying there and they're injured physically. What do you do in a situation like that? You help. You do whatever it takes to help. Now, when people are going through discouragement, do you know, just like that physical wound, people are experiencing wounds like that emotionally and spiritually? Yet this is how we try to solve their problems. Number one, you know, God uses all things for good. Now, if, if you're on the ground with your leg broken, and your bone sticking out of your skin, and somebody comes up to you, and the first thing they say is God uses all things for good. Like, just for me, just cuss words. That's all that that's that's all that's coming to my mind. That like, is that what you need to hear? No. Now, listen, I, I know the pushback, but it's true. But have you ever been in a situation where just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said? You know where I learned to hate this phrase? And I, I, I know there's some people that you love to use this phrase anytime. You know where I learned to hate this phrase? Standing beside my mother's coffin. About the fourth person that said that to me when I was 11 years old, I, I literally remember walking out of the funeral home going, I can't deal with stupid people. That might be true. But if the leg's broken and the bone's sticking out and they're bleeding, they need help, not phrases that make us feel better. Let's talk about another one. This is fun. You know, there are other people in the world that have it way worse than you. Has anybody ever said that to you? 
The reason this is so fresh is because somebody said that to me last week. Like last week, I just had a bad week. It's just a bad week. And somebody said, how are you doing? I was like, well, you know, it's been a tough week emotionally because this is what I deal with. And th- they said to me, well, you, what you need to keep in mind is there are other people in the world that have it way worse than you. True. 100% true. There's somebody in Africa today that, you know, they had to walk seven miles to get water. And all I had to do was cut them. True. It's true. There are other people that have it worse than me and you in the world. But let me ask you a question. When you're laying on the ground with your leg broken, do you care? No. All you can focus on is the pain. And that doesn't make the pain go away. Well, I told them the truth. You know, sometimes the truth, just, just hold on to that. Especially, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Well, you know, there's purpose in the pain. I know you're hurting right now, but there's purpose in the pain. For me, if I'm on the ground and I can reach them, I punch them in the throat and I go, you know what? Hold on. Because there's purpose in the pain. Right? Like when somebody's going through a really, really, really difficult time, this, none of these things... None of these things. I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. In the difficult times that I've gone through, none of these things have ever encouraged me. None of them. And none of you can say that they've ever encouraged you. Well, Peter, what do we say to somebody that's going through a discouraging time? Here's what you say. I'm so sorry. This really sucks. What can I do to help? That right there is the most Christ-like thing you could say to somebody that's going through a discouraging time. I'm so sorry. This really sucks. Why don't say sucks? Stinks, all right? All right? I'm so sorry. This really sucks. What can I do to help? That right there is weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So she had to deal with doubt. She had to deal with discouragement. The third thing she had to deal with is this thing called death. Now, if you're a parent, one of the things you love to see love to see is your child succeed. Most parents want to see their child be successful in something. I, uh, I got to watch Karis play Dorothy uh, this weekend in The Wizard of Oz, and it was her first lead role, and it, I was watching, I was there at the play, and it came to the part where she was going to do her first solo somewhere over the rainbow, and I got to admit, I was sweating a little bit, I was nervous, my heart was beating, I was like, oh. And, and she was holding a live animal. And sometimes, sometimes live animals just freak out in the middle of things. And so we talked about that a little bit last week. And so she's holding this dog. And I'm like, oh, God, don't let the dog freak out. Don't let the dog pee. Don't let, and, so I'm, and she starts singing. And I was like, oh, it was so good. I sang kind of under my breath with her a little bit, maybe a little tear. Because she, she crushed it. She crushed it. She did so good. And most parents that I know, they want their child to succeed. They want their child to be the best. But Mary, Mary watched her son get crucified. Not not figuratively, literally. She watched her son tortured and die. Question, do you think she doubted God's promise? Absolutely. Absolutely she did. Because when you see the promise die in front of you, you lose all hope. 
And there are people watching today, you've got incredible doubt in your heart because you think you've seen your promise die. I understand what that's like. It's no fun to go through. But the angel had it right that no word from God will ever fail. And God always finishes what he starts. And she watched the crucifixion, but she didn't know that the resurrection was coming because God can always take ashes. He, he can always take the ashes and turn them into something glorious. God always, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 1, Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you, the announcement to Mary, the birth of Jesus, will carry it on to completion. Even through the times of doubt, even through the times of discouragement, even when you seemingly see your promise die, if you're not dead, God's not done. If there's air in your lungs, then you have reason to hope because Mary saw Jesus die and three days later saw him rise again. Don't miss this. It took 33 years for Mary to see the promise of God fulfilled in her life. 33 years. So for those of us going through a tough time, for those of us that feel like God has forgotten us, for those who feel like God spoke something to us, but people don't believe us and they're skeptical and they're doubting us, for some of us that are incredibly discouraged or we think everything is falling apart, it's all over, I just want you to know, I just want you to know today that because of the Christmas story, we can hold on to the fact that we never need to doubt in the darkness what we know God declared in the light. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray right now for those of us, God, who may be dealing with a dark situation, circumstances, whether they're emotional, spiritual, relational. We just feel lost and hopeless in the dark. And Jesus, I, I just pray right now that you will speak encouragement into those of us who are dealing with those situations. That you're not finished. That there's still hope. There's still hope because you bring dead things back to life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want you to take a moment to ask God, maybe, maybe for the first time ever, just to give you hope in your heart. That that situation, those situations will be okay. And then maybe there's people here that you've never prayed to receive Christ. And you've never prayed to receive Christ because maybe you never thought he cared about you. But I'm telling you, if he can take notice of a teenager in Nazareth, then he's, he's, he's so close to you right now that it will blow your mind. And if you want to receive Jesus into your life, which I can think of no better time to do it, then I want to invite you right where you are to ask Jesus to come in and take over. He doesn't make everything better automatically, but I'm telling you, life with him is so much better than life without him. 
So if you want Jesus to come into your life, if you want to give your life to Christ today, then I want to invite you right where you sit, right where you are right now, just to pray in your heart and say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I confess you are Lord and God, and I accept you as Savior in my life. Take complete control. You can have everything. In your name I pray. And if you prayed that prayer, if you're online, if you'll just do the hand raise emoji at mysecondchancechurch.com. If you're on Facebook, if you'll do the hand raise so we can know that you prayed to receive Christ. We want to celebrate with you. Um, so far, at, in the first year of Second Chances Ministry, we've seen 301 people pray to receive Christ. And so if you would just hit the hand raise emoji on either one, we would love to know and celebrate that with you. It would be super exciting. Jesus, thank you so much that you are saving lives and changing people. And we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, like I, I just want to say thank you for being with us today. We're gonna have, this is going to be a fun series talking about the messiness that's always associated with Christmas. Um, six weeks from today, like I said, we are going to open our facility. Um, Sunday, January 13th, 2019, we're going to have two services, a 9.15. These are a.m. Eastern time. People always ask. We are in Anderson, South Carolina, so that would be Eastern time. Um, but we're going to have two services, 9.15 and 11.15 on Sunday, January 13th, 2019. That's opening Sunday. Um, and we're super excited about it. We got a lot to do. Please pray for us over these next six weeks. We got a lot to do to get ready. And let me say this. Thank you. Thank you for those of you that are giving the second chance every week. Um, because of your generosity, we were able to do this whole thing debt free. We were able to pay for everything debt free. Um, and if you're not a giver and you want to give, or you want to, you want to start donating, giving, tithing, whatever tag or label you want to put on that, you can do it at mysecondchancechurch.com. That's our website, mysecondchancechurch.com. Or you can mail a check or a money order. We got one of those once to second chance church, 210 South main street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. Um, and that's where you can send it in. Once again, thank you for those that, that give. You have made all of this possible. Can't wait to see you next week. God bless.